This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. We are uh, beginning a series of messages on Advent and Christmas, which we're simply entitling Seeking. What are you seeking? Who are you seeking? Are you or will you seek God this Christmas in a fresh way, in a real way? You ever think about the reality that God is seeking you. So as we talk today about the prophets, uh, we have the nativity scene on the altar table, and that uh, is pretty bare. The only thing that's there are the scriptures to remind us of the prophets that came before Jesus, centuries before Jesus, foretelling, talking about a new world, a different world, a king, a prince of peace that was to come. And we'll build in that nativity each week as we go through each of these messages building toward Christmas, seeking, seeking the reality that is God. So today we start talking about the prophets. Now, who were the prophets? Sometimes they were actually called seers because the prophets were men and women who saw things that nobody else saw and said things that nobody else said. They were men and women of God who spoke out as God's spokespersons in various times and places. They didn't always have good people skills. Sometimes they could be like a bull in a china shop. They didn't have the best sensitivity training and their hair wasn't flushed for television. But they were men and women of God who had to deliver a message. They couldn't help themselves. And sometimes the message wasn't popular especially among leaders, these men and women of God. And some of these prophets actually wrote down their words, and other people wrote down those words, and they began to formulate into books, books that we find in our Old Testament, in the Hebrew Scriptures. And they start with Isaiah, and then Jeremiah, and the Lamentations of Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, and Daniel, and Hosea, and Joel, and Amos, and Obadiah, Jonah, and Micah, and Nahum, and Baca, Zephaniah, Haggaiah, and Malachi. Man, I'm glad I remembered all those. <laughs> Men and women of God who spoke forth these words centuries before the coming of Jesus. And primarily, they were not about foretelling the future. They were more about painting watercolors and pictures and using tools and images to try to describe a different world, a new world, a kingdom that was going to come, where the wolf and the lion or the lamb would, would lie down together, where a crocus would, would grow up in the desert, where something new and different could happen in a world. They were always saying, this is the way. Walk in it. And they gave us these new realities these men and women of God, the prophets. Prophets were real. They really lived. They really died. Now, it's interesting that uh, this summer, uh, the shrine to the prophet Jonah, a shrine that was something special for Muslims and Jews and Christians to visit because Jonah was one of those Old Testament prophets. He lived, he died. People go to that tomb to revere his memory. And ISIS last July blew that tomb 
and that shrine to smithereens. Why did they do that? Because the prophet Jonah was for real. And just like you and I might go to a tomb to remember the memory of a special leader like Abraham Lincoln, people in the Middle East, they're tied to these realities that sometimes we just think are pages of Scripture long ago. So prophets are for real. And the prophecies, many of those prophecies deal with this Messiah, this King, this one who is to come. We've placed these, some of these prophecies on the front of your Pray, Study, Grow material this week. Just some of the hundreds of prophecies that find fulfillment in Jesus. The Psalms talk about this one who is not going to die or decay in the grave, but he's going to be resurrected. The Psalms say these words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus speaks those same words on the cross. Prophet Daniel talks about the anointed one, this ruler, somewhere in the, in the centuries later in the future that's going to reign. Micah talks about in a little town of Bethlehem, an insignificant place, this new ruler of Israel is going to come forth. Zechariah talks about how that ruler is going to ride, of all things, a donkey into Jerusalem. And so even in the book of Isaiah alone, there are something like 60 different times that the words of Isaiah are contained in the New Testament, seen as the fulfillment of Jesus. And so the prophecies have this dual role. They, they point to Jesus. They point to the future. But, you know, in many ways, they're words that are spoken just to real people in their day, and they're trying to say to us, this is how you're supposed to live your life. This is the truth of God. Live in it. I got a question for you. Do you think prophets are still around? Do you think prophecies still occur? Do you think God still has prophets around in this world? Well, I sure hope so. <laughs> because prophets are needed. People who will speak forth truth and justice and righteousness as words from God. People that will deliver a timely word in a right time, in a right place, that people can receive them. And don't you think that we need prophecies, words from God spoken into our life that rearranges and reshapes the landscape of our own lives too? You know, Martin Luther King Jr., I believe, was a prophet of God. I was uh, a teenager when Dr. King was slain. And I remember that in his speeches that he would often quote from the Old Testament prophets. And one of his favorite quotes was from the book of Amos, the prophet Amos, when he said, Let justice roll down like rivers and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. And Dr. King insisted on two things. He insisted on justice without perpetrating violence. And I often think, where would America be today if we would have gone the way of Malcolm X and the Black Panthers? Rather 
then follow the teachings and the practices of Jesus Christ exhibited through his prophet. You know, we need prophets today. We're living in a troubled time. We're living in a time where we know we got a tough race issue and a lot of other issues in this country. And one of the things that I am praying for, I, I am praying that God will raise up new prophets, women and men of God, whites and blacks and Hispanics in this country, who will be able to say words and frame words that point to a different reality. Benjamin Wright is a football player. He plays for the New Orleans Saints. He's not, he's not a star. He's not scored a touchdown this year, and yet he scored this week. He, he posted on Facebook that went viral and about the events that are, as they were occurring in Ferguson last Monday night. And as an African-American, he, he says things that I need to hear, that, that I, I need to know what it's like to, to be a black male in this country. He talks about disappointment. He talks about sadness. He talks about the sadness of violence. He doesn't prejudge. He doesn't prejudge Officer Wilson. He speaks in a way in which you can have a conversation. And kind of the words of the prophet Isaiah, come now, let us reason together. Though our sins be red as scarlet, let them be white as snow. And he points to the reality that all of us are sinners. And all of us are in need of Jesus. He points to a better way. Now, it takes more than one blog to make someone a prophet. But I think his words were prophetic in the sense that he spoke wisdom and truth, justice and mercy at a very timely time. And I would suggest to you, friends, that God may want to use you to speak forth words in someone else's life. You never know when a word can shape and redirect a life and a people. Sometimes prophets aren't people that stand up and are great orators. Sometimes they're one-on-one kind of folks. When I was a 19-year-old kid, I worked my way through college. I lived with my parents. I worked as a night custodian every Friday and Saturday night. And every Sunday morning, by golly, yes, I was in church. And on Sunday afternoon, I crashed, and, and I was taking a nap one Sunday afternoon when Reverend Faust came to visit. Now, Reverend Faust was my pastor for 14 years. We, we were close. We lived right next door. Um, my sister wound up marrying his nephew. But that Sunday afternoon, Reverend Faust was on a mission, and he came asking for me, and my mother said I was taking a nap. I wasn't available. Sometimes you need someone to protect yourself from preachers, you know. Uh, <laughs> And so Reverend Faust said these words. He said, Robert, as me, Robert is going to be a preacher. And I remember 
turning over and thinking that old kook is off his rocker. <laughs> but his words hung in the air. And somehow they, they broke new ground in my heart. They penetrated my heart in a way that changed me. And within a year's time, I was having my own experience of God calling me definitely to do this. And I was changing majors and changing schools, and I was on my way because some old kook had the courage to say something that he, think, he thought God had put on his heart. Anybody ever spoke a word to you? It just made you stop and think, and the words hung in the air, and they penetrate in your heart, and they redirect your life. We need prophets today. We need fresh words from God. In that spirit, I want to read the words of Isaiah today, Isaiah chapter 9. And these are the words of, of the prophet that lived eight centuries before Christ. And he was speaking these words specifically to the people of Israel. He was talking to the people that were going through all kinds of violence and difficulty, and, and uh, the enemy was coming and oppressing their land. And, and so he, he says these words, but as he says these words, these words are fresh and new for us today as well. Listen to these words. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of the burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. Words of violence, words of warfare, words that were perpetrating their world. He's describing the darkness. And then he starts talking about the light. For a child has been born for us, a child given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders. And he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually and there shall be endless peace. For the throne of David and his kingdom, he will establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time onward and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. As I was reading those words this week, I couldn't get past the second verse. I couldn't get past the words that those who sit in darkness have seen a great light. You know, we sit in darkness. Those who are in dark places, the lights shined on them. We go through dark places as a people, as a nation, but we also go through dark places as individuals. What is your dark place today? Sometimes uh, it's in that dark place that we're able to see light. It's when uh, the diagnosis comes and the news isn't good. It's when you battle a sickness or a disease that just doesn't ever seem to go away. It's when he decides to leave you or she packs her bags and goes. 
It's in those dark places. Oftentimes we're able to see the light. It's when we gather the courage to say, I'm an alcoholic. Or I struggle with pornography. And I am living in this darkness. It's when we run out of options. It's when we hit dead ends. When we have nowhere else to go, oftentimes we can see the light. And the good news is, the good news is that it's, it's those who are in darkness, it's in these dark places that God's light has come. Ten days ago, I went to a prison. I visited and spoke as, at a hearing on behalf of an individual. It was a cold morning. When you go to prison, um, oftentimes there's buildings you go from one building to the next, and they've got some really odd rules. Some of the rules are you, you can only speak to the inmate you're visiting, and sometimes you can't speak to him or her. And you certainly can't speak to any other offenders, and you're not supposed to talk to any of the offenders' families. But just for a moment, as we were walking from building to building, as we were waiting for the door to be unlocked where we could go into this place where the hearing was to take place, there was one other person that was walking alongside me, an African-American woman. And at first view, you would think that we had nothing in common. But our eyes met, and there was nobody else around, so we, we broke the rules, and we started talking to each other. She talked about how that she was there that morning for her baby, for her son. And she started talking about all the pressures and all the stress and all the ways in which young people mess up today. How it's not a leave it to beaver kind of world. She was saying all this stuff to me. And she started talking about God. And just for a moment... There was a real connection between two people ready to go inside for a hearing. And the buzzer at the door sounded, and we walked in where we couldn't say any more to each other. But before that happened, I said to her, I will be praying for you. Please, will you pray for me? And one of the things that I observed as I was in waiting for the hearing to go, and they call your name, they call your number, and I could not help but notice that in this room of people, other than the male inmates and the male guards, there was no other male presence except me. And what struck me was clear, that there are so many lives Struggling, going down for a lack of a father or for the lack of a positive male presence in their life. I'd like to say a word just today, right now, to all the men who are in this room. I don't want to leave the, the ladies out. But I believe that any man present 
that has a relationship with Jesus Christ, that knows God in a personal way. We have a calling on our life, gentlemen. We have a calling to rise up. And we have a calling to speak into the life of a struggling adult, young adult. We're called to walk alongside them, to be with them. I'm not suggesting we're paternalistic, but I'm, I am saying that we're a role model and we earn those rights and opportunities where we get to speak life and truth into a young person's life. And if I have a word from the Lord today, that's the word. We got to stand in the gap, men. We got to rise up. Because that's part of the heart of the problem in our world. One of my favorite prisons, I don't have a lot of favorite prisons, is Angola. Angola sits on the Mississippi. Angola is a different kind of prison. It's a high security prison. But the last 23 years, there's been a dramatic change in the life of the prisoners in Angola down in Louisiana. Because Warden Kane came to become the warden. And soon after Warden Kane arrived, he started a seminary. That was a Baptist seminary, but, you know, that's all right. <laughs> and prisoners, there's been over 200 inmates who have graduated from that seminary in prison. He says the ACLU has his number on speed dial, and he has theirs. And you can worship it any other way there. But there's hundreds of prisoners who are worshiping and loving Jesus Christ. And many of these graduates of this seminary in Angola, they get transferred to other prisons. And they have started something like 80 or 90 different churches. And you know what? Some of these folks get out. And one of the things that I love about the Global Leadership Summit is, for the first time, Willow Creek puts this on. Switzer is very much a part of this. Willow Creek had three of their VIA satellites in prison this year. One of those was Angola. Someone asked Bill Hybels, why are you doing that in prison? 97% of these people are going to be out someday. And the statistics are clear. That those who leave and those who have mentors... And those have a relationship with somebody else. But especially those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ live a transformed and changed life. And the prophet Isaiah says, those who sit in darkness have the light shine on them. Well, I've got one more prophecy, and I've got to quit. Prophecy from Jeremiah. He's one of those prophets. And prophet Jeremiah says, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. I love that image because there are hard places in life and God is about the business of hammering away those places. And some of those places are right in our hearts. God hammers away injustice. 
And he takes his chisel and his hammer and he works on us. It's a good thing this thing's here. I'm a terrible lame. So God chisels away. What's he chiseling away? He chisels away our prejudgment. He chisels away the things that we think make us so different. He chisels away malice and violence and all the things that we could hold against somebody else that we don't understand, the different cultures and different places that we come to. He hammers all that stuff away. Whatever is in the human heart and he gives us a heart of flesh. We have prophets still today. And God still speaks words of prophecy into people's lives. That is about rearranging the landscape of the human heart and will change our lives as well. Near the end of the book of Isaiah, Isaiah says, Oh God, I wish you would just tear the heavens open and come down. And then a little bit later, God says, I'm here. I'm here. Can you see me? Come find me. Come seek me. 